Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday, talking some USC football as we're rolling along through the month of February, post-signing day, talking about the football team. Probably about a, you know three, four weeks away from the beginning of spring football. They haven't announced it yet, but we're going to talk about the team with our buddy, our pal, Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. It's the day before Valentine's Day. Hope you... Uh, have a happy Valentine's Day and get a little something for your the special someone in your life. If you have any questions for us here at the podcast, hopefully we're a special someone for you. Podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address. You can call us at 641-715-3900, then use extension 816-646. You can leave us a voicemail. Try to keep it brief. We'll play it on the air. We actually have a few of them to play today. You can also go to peristylepodcast.com. All of our old episodes are on there. Plus, you can leave a voicemail right from your computer or mobile device. A lot of ways to get a hold of us. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher Radio. Uh, we're on Audio Boom, uh, TuneIn Radio. A lot of ways you can consume the podcast. If you're an iTunes person, please go on there. Leave us a five-star rating. Uh, some comments are great. Uh, we get some awesome comments there and stuff, so we really do appreciate that. And let's bring in the coach. We got him on the special hotline, as always. Coach, what is up? How are you? Well, it's good to be with you, Ryan. I missed you last week. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, you were traveling. I was traveling. But uh, we're back today. Uh, we had a little rain, but it's beautiful today this Monday. We're supposed to have some more this next weekend, but uh, it's good for all of us. And uh, I'm just ready to go, man. I tell you, football's not that far away. You know, just you just ended recruiting, as everyone knows. you got about, well, less than a month now before spring practice starts. And then you've got the spring game, I think, April 15th. So football will be back. So you and you and I will be back uh, enjoying all the action and watching the new kids that came in early and uh, giving everybody our opinion. That's what we do. We continue doing it year-round. And, yeah, I do apologize for uh, no Harvey Hyde show last week. Uh, there was some travel and stuff, so it was tough for me to do on Monday. But we're back. We'll, we'll keep it as consistent as we possibly can, which is pretty much every week uh, throughout the offseason. And when spring ball starts, of course, uh, a lot to talk about what's going on there. Coach and I will both be there giving, uh, you know, watching it, and then we'll give our observations and answer any questions that we can on the podcast. But, Coach, you know, it, it was signing day, I guess, you know, almost two weeks ago now. Um, we had a question from Tarek who we want to give a congratulations to. I think last time I said he was engaged, he got married over the weekend. So congratulations, Tarek, to you and your beautiful bride. He wants to know... Coach, what's your favorite recruit of the 2017 cycle? Wow. Wow. That is a tough one. Uh, you know, I think there are two or three real key ones. Uh, I don't know if I have a favorite one. Uh, I think you always have to have a quarterback. There's no question. You, If you don't have a quarterback, you just, you can have all the great players in the world. You aren't going to go anywhere. So I have to say, Sears has got to be, Jack, Jack Sears has got to be what you start with. You hope that he's going to be potentially, I can't ever say anybody's going to be as as good as Sam Darnold is the way he's playing right now, but I hope he has the potential to be that type of player and leader. So I'd have to start with a quarterback. 
I'd have to say also uh, Lewis, the receiver, is an outstanding find. I think that you always need a great skill player. I think the running back, Stephen Carr, I like him because these are players that can play young. Uh, Stephen has to learn to run inside a little bit better. Uh, he's He's got size, he's got speed, but he's got to run inside. Uh, that's where you want to run your big guy. And, of course, you got to have bookends. And uh, like uh, uh, Jackson, I think his name, the big tackle from – isn't that his name from uh, Arizona? Austin Jackson, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like him, but I want to see him against big on big. I don't want to just, uh, you know, like him against a 215-pound defensive end or tackle. I want to see him against, you know, uh, somebody that uh, is physical like him and will punch in the nose. Uh, defensively, you've got to love the defensive front because you needed them so much. So I like all the defensive front guys, but you got to let them develop and become players and, be a part of your defense, because without defense, you don't play. I like Tucker. I like Levi Jones, too. And I'm going to tell you this now. You know how I always give you my opinion. He'd be a great player on the outside, on the edge. And I spoke to uh, Florida State, and I uh, asked them, I said, how good of a player is Jones? And they said, Coach, he's a great player. Yeah, they were going to play him outside on the edge and just let him come. And uh, I think that's where I would play him. But they're going to think I think they're going to try him inside. But we'll see what happens there. Now I'm just starting to tell you about the one player, huh? Well, I'm starting <laughs> to tell you about a lot of players, and I apologize for that. But uh, they had a great recruiting class, and I would like to see the, you know, USC to go to the next level. They've got to have a lot of these recruiting classes where a lot of these young players don't play right off. You've got to be able to redshirt some of them, some of them, let them grow in the weight room. You mature so much that first year to the second year, let them become a man. And uh, I think the quality of redshirting means so much, especially you'll see this in this year's offensive line. Uh, guys really mature and they become more coordinated. Look at the maturity that uh, Sam Darnold got between his freshman year and when he played this year's redshirt year. Dante Burnett, as far as playing uh, in one year, you know, you and I both said it's a shame that Burnett played about 12 plays his freshman year and burned a year of eligibility. You've got, I think, you've got to keep more track of that on how many plays players are going to play. I'd like to have seen both the JC receivers come back this year, and then that way some of the younger receivers can redshirt and grow up. But I'm getting uh, off from what I was asked. Quite those are the players I probably and I probably missed one. Here, I like both the safeties. Okay, we can go through the whole thing, <laughs> you know, and follow the tight end. I think you would agree with me. How do you pick one? But you got to start with the quarterback, right, Ryan? Yeah, I would think so. Um, if it, you know, outside of the quarterback, I think Jay Tufele from uh, Utah, the five-star defensive lineman, just because that's a position of need. Someone asked. I had dinner last night with some USC friends, and uh, they asked me that, and I, I picked him. So he was the one guy I kind of singled out. But there, there's a lot. I think there's a lot of potential there. A lot of guys to choose from. I agree 100%. That's a good problem to have. Yeah. Now you got to take them to the next level. You got to forecast what they are. You got to make sure they come into school. You got to make sure that they progress, they develop, they're academically eligible. You can't lose players like Price, like they lost last year, nor Jackson, or Je Jefferson, that they lost last year. You can't lose pride, pride, uh, pride uh, type of, you know. Recruits like that. I mean, those are five-star, four-star guys that would be playing this year. 
So you got to keep them. You got to make sure that they develop and don't get in trouble and they're academically eligible and they're ready to go. I hope Tucker is able to come back. I really don't know. I don't think Kevin Scott is coming back. Do you? Uh, we don't know. Uh, those are a couple of question marks that we haven't heard. So hopefully the beginning of uh, spring football will get those answers. But right as of now, coach, we just don't know. I know. So that's what you got to do. You know, when you get a great class, you got to keep that great class. And part of them is recruiting them. But a big part is keeping them, because if you continually lose one or two, then that class isn't as good as what you once thought it was. So it's very important you keep those guys. Let's uh, one of the people that USC did not keep, and we've had um, some talk about this. Uh, the running back coach. So there was, you know, thought to be complete consistency with the USC coaching staff, but as the coaching carousel churns away, um, there's always some, you know, <laughs> some changes that are made. And uh, Tommy Robinson ended up taking the job uh, with Ed Orgeron down in uh, in Baton Rouge for, for LSU. So we have a question on that, Coach. I'll play it for you and get your thoughts. Hi, this is Daniel out of Los Angeles. Uh, I love the, sh- the uh, show. I, I'm addicted to the podcast. I check every day and hope to see one. Um, just a quick question, Johnny. Uh, Tommy Robinson leaving for the same exact position at LSU. What's going on with that? Why would he leave a hot and up-and-coming team for a team that hasn't done nothing in a long time for the exact same position? Is there a money issue? Was was is LSU offering more money? And if so, why can't USC outbid LSU and pay him more um, to stay? Unless is he not that important as a coach? Does USC feel he is just replaceable? They can find someone better. Just odd that he would leave USC for LSU for the exact same position, not even a promotion. I mean, is the guy homesick? Does he need? Is he? I know he's from the south, so does he want to just be back down home? Um, just seems kind of odd. Uh, I just don't understand. If anyone has any clarification as to why you would leave number three potential ranked USC team for LSU, thanks. Well, you know, I, I had some uh, concerns on that too, and uh, you know, I talk around like you do, Ryan, and. First of all, uh, you hate to lose a guy that's the Pac-12 uh, system recruiting coach of the year. I mean, you can, you know, I can coach him if you can get great players. But he seemed, uh, players seemed to really like him, and he went out and recruited great players. You don't want to lose any staff members. And uh, sort of a unique situation. Ed Orgeron's a damn good recruiter. And uh, the way I'm looking at it, Ed Orgeron, offered him, I think, a three-year deal. Now, I don't know this, but this is what I think and I've heard. And uh, he was making, I understand, around, I'm guessing, 350, 335, 350,000 a year at USC and uh, wanted an extension and maybe a, a title or a pay raise. Now, you can live in Baton Rouge a lot bigger than you can in Southern California. And Ordron offered him, I think, a contract somewhere, and I don't know, between five and $600,000 and a three-year deal. So it sort of makes a little sense uh, to go down there, and the way I heard it, I'm not sure if USC tried to keep him. Now, why not offer him a two-year deal or three-year deal? Uh, I think it's important that you're able to reward a team that had a great recruiting year, a team that, and coaches, 
I, I'm assuming they got bonuses. I'm hoping they did for their victory in, in the Rose Bowl. I know they didn't win the Pac-12, and I know that's something Lynn Swan wants to do, because if you win the Pac-12, you automatically go to the Rose Bowl, unless you go to the playoffs. But I would think you'd want to reward people who do a great job. And uh, I think it's going to be a very important hire for Clay Help. But you've got to bring in somebody, first of all, that brought in two or three of your key guys, mostly your running back, Stephen Carr and others, a group of returners who he has tutored, a great recruiter, and now you have to bring in another coach to sort of reteach. And that isn't good. And I think you should have tried to keep him. Now, if Clay Helton, that's, of course, his decision. Maybe his hands were tied. And sometimes when you have a contract that is running out, uh, the athletic director feels, if I give him more, I have to give everybody more. Well, that's not a bad deal to do. I don't think it's a money problem at USC. If it is, get rid of the Pac-12 network. Because you're getting about a million dollars in the Southeastern Conference, getting about 10 or 20 or whatever they're getting. So you can compete. Because you've got to compete with coaches as well as with players. And I hated to see them lose Tommy Robinson and him come in and, and get him like that. And I don't think it's good for coaching morale. I'm going to tell you. And I'm the one saying this, Coach Helton. And I'm just talking as a former coach. When you got a staff that came back and was 1-3 and three and fought back and won nine straight games, you know, you reward those people. And, and if he wanted to stay and needed a two-year contract or at least three-year contract to stay here, then I would somehow work it out with him rather than say, this is all we're giving you, you can go. And I'm not sure what happened, but I got a feeling that happened, Ryan. And coach, he did, and you know, through our caller, um, Tommy Robinson did, did get new titles. I think it was associate head coach. There's some kind of title with head coach in it, and he's becoming the recruiting coordinator. So certainly down there, down at LSU. Yeah. So it was a, there was yeah. an upgrade in jobs. And I, and my understanding coach is the same as yours. I think typically USC assistant coaches are two year contract guys. I think that's kind of the standard. I did hear LSU was doing three. So that would have been more years as well um, I think there was interest from what I've heard on the USC side in keeping Toby Robinson but there's only so much you can do if it's going to be an extra year and two new titles that you're not willing you know you're able to do or willing to do then that's there you know, that's kind of my understanding of how that goes well it's okay to settle with Kiffin for several million dollars in Sarkeesian <laughs> whatever it's in arbitration it's all right to settle for three or five million dollars there whatever he gets but it's not all right to give a raise huh uh, yeah, I don't know. I think a rate, I don't know the details. Uh, I think a raise is one thing, but an extra year when the typical USC assistant contract, I don't believe goes more than two years. So that's, that's All just right. my understanding. But, no, I guess you know what I'm trying. I'm just trying to say, Hey, you don't want to lose the parts of the wheel. Okay. And when that happens and it's something that you can keep people on and they've done a great job, then I reward them. That's where I do. I say, Hey, you've done a great job. Then you work, then your coaches want to work harder. Now, now, I'm not saying they're not working harder, but, you know, you always wonder about, hey, I'll keep my ear open if there's something happening out there. And I don't like that when my coaches work their first call of the day. They want to know what's going on somewhere else rather than what's going on at home. All right, Coach, let's move on. Well, um, 
well, Reggie in Seattle had a question, but before that, he was talking about the running back coach. He said, do you think Marcus Allen has any interest in coaching? And I've talked to Marcus a bunch of times. I do not. Uh, I don't think, you know, he's got, he's a new dad again, or, or I may think it's for the first time. Um, and uh, he's not even living on the West Coast anymore. He's doing stuff on TV every once in a while, and, you know, things like that. I don't think he has interest in coaching um, for Reggie. And then he wants to know his qu- main questions about John Houston coach. Uh, is he a bust? So he's talking about the uh, linebacker for USC. I thought he was a five-star coming in. He was. Uh, and has only managed to see the field on special teams. Is there a chance he might develop? And do you know why he hasn't played much? That's Reggie in Seattle. Well, I don't know why he hadn't played much. I know there's been great competition. I think they need to find the right position for him. You know, Hutchings didn't play much, too, until last year, and all of a sudden he turned into be a pretty good player. All of a sudden, you know, you've got to decide, do you like the game of football? Are you playing the game of football, or are you a football player? You know, there's a difference between a football player and a guy that's just playing football. So I think there's a point in your life between your sophomore and junior year and your junior and your senior year well, you got to ask yourself that question. I mean, it's been great getting my academic work done and being here, but do I want to be a player, a football player? Do I like being on special teams and watching and and that? So he's got to make up his mind, too, and then they have to decide if he has the athletic ability to play big enough to win. And I think that's what happens. I don't think he can play on the edge. I don't think he's got the the burst off the edge, and I keep talking about that all the time, but that's what it makes or takes in, on defense, getting off the edge, putting pressure immediately, then come up the middle all the time and, and force him back in the pocket. But he might be an inside guy, but I think that's a question I'd ask him. I'd say, are you a football player or are you a guy just playing football? And he's got all the tools to do it. He's just got to get himself in the – condition and bulk up and be tough and put a couple of inches on his neck so he's ready to get after it. And I think this spring is key for him because they'll either find out if he wants to play or he doesn't. Um, for sure. And, it, you know, just to let Reggie know, I've definitely heard some good things about him that there's, uh, there's, he's someone that coaches are expecting to be a contributor, uh, this year. So don't, um, don't sleep on John Houston. Uh, he's good. And, uh, I think you'll see. We'll see more from him in the spring, I think. Um, so we'll go with that. There's, uh, coach, there was some, uh, not positive, uh, news coming out of one of the actual stars of the, uh, Rose Bowl, uh, kicker, my, Matt Bormeister. So we have a question on that. I'm going to play it for you and any thoughts you have. Here you go. This is Paul from Central Virginia. Uh, I know that, uh, Bormeister's been suspended and, uh, is going through a code of conduct, uh, uh, procedure. Uh, is uh, that going to be a permanent thing? Will he be available for the fall? And if not, um, is Michael Brown able to step right in? Uh, obviously, he was the backup uh, for some reason. Uh, how capable are we of having the same high quality of kicker next year uh, as we have had with Bormeister this past year? I haven't heard any comments on this unless I've just missed them. Thanks a lot for your answers. I really appreciate all all that you guys do. And uh, living here on the East Coast, uh, it makes me feel a little bit at home to be able to communicate directly with people who are in the know. Well, I don't know if I'm in the know. All I know, I was shocked when I saw that, read that. 
because uh, USC sort of keeps you in limbo. You really don't know what happened. They're probably doing that because of Privacy Act. But you don't really know what happened. Uh, you know, it's happened that way with many players. I mean, we can go through Bryce Dixon all the way back, and, you know, I don't want to name them all. But I'm hoping that it's a, uh, that it turns out positively. I'm hoping. Do I know anything? No, Brian. I don't know if you any, know anything, but you know you don't want to lose your kicker to just want to host bowl game for you. I mean, here's a guy that's got confidence now. Team has confidence in him. I'm just surprised. I don't. You know, sometimes players just don't listen to you, and I don't know what it is. Or I'm just giving you all a, a thought. You can have a team meeting. You can talk to them. You can tell them, hey guys. Listen to me. They know who you are, but you don't know who they are. So act like a decent human being. You don't get a second chance at a first impression. Make people tell people, he's a nice guy. He didn't even know who I was, and he really was nice. Now, I don't know what it was that he got in trouble with, but use your sense. Right now, look at this guy. Wins the Rose Bowl game, and then something happens. I mean... How can you allow that to happen? Use your head. I mean, here you are on a high and the, the winning the Rose Bowl and everything else going so positive for you. Can't wait to get to class, meeting people, doing everything you're doing, and then all of a sudden something like this happens. I don't know what it is. I certainly hope it's something that could be corrected, but it has to go through the process. And at USC, more than anywhere else, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, you never hear, and sometimes you never hear exactly what the circumstances were. Yeah, that's, um, it wasn't always that way. Uh, it's, I think it's been that way with the current coaching staff that we just kind of hear, uh, what the, the, the baseline, the, the bare minimum of what they're supposed to say, and that's it. Um, Clay Helton doesn't, uh, extrapolate on that anymore, and we have certainly haven't heard anything more. On, uh, Bormeister's suspension, um, the way, you know, it was the, the terms that were used. If I just had to bet if he's going to be back, I would probably bet that he won't. Um, I don't know, but just, you know, it usually certain situations like with the, with the, the academic side, when we talk about Elijah Juan Tucker, he could still practice with the team. Kevin Scott could not. That to me told me there was probably more of a, Someone was on academic probation and then failed again, and that's why he wasn't around. So he's less likely to come back than someone that was still practicing around the team. Just kind of the, what you can read through the tea leaves, and just the the words that were used, the you know the the verbiage. It just did not to me, coach. It didn't seem like he would be back. Now we like we don't know. Maybe we'll see him out there for spring football. My guess is you will not. And as far as Michael Brown goes, he was the uh, redshirt kicker. I don't pretend to be an expert in kickers. Uh, so I, I really don't know much about them. Um, I mean, they're, yeah, so they do have another scholarship kicker. So you should feel, okay, you have a scholarship kicker. You should feel pretty good about, um, but yeah, we're, and I don't think we're going to find out a whole lot more on, on this situation. Uh, we'll see what Clay Hilton says when spring ball starts or sometime before that, but I don't think we're going to get a lot of clarification. Well, I tell you, it's going to be not the same, no matter how good Mike Brown is from a guy that's gained the confidence of winning the Rose Bowl game to a new kicker starting all over. And I'll, I'll watch him closely in this fall or spring. 
And I'll tell you people exactly what I think, if he's the answer or not the answer. I certainly hope he is, but you're not going to, you know, recruit a kicker, redshirt him, and then not have him be a kicker. Please, there's so many great kickers around, and I'm sure John Baxter knows the difference between, at least I hope, between a guy who can do it or can't do it, kick the ball in the end zone and get that 40-yarder, make it an automatic. So we'll see what happens, and we'll be able to tame the spring. Because I haven't really watched him that closely, Ryan. I haven't, so I can't answer that question. Yeah, I haven't watched him closely either. And even it's a kicker. I'm not, you know, I don't pretend to be some sort of kicking expert. Um, let's see. Brian, uh, Mills had a question. He said, I'm a new listener. Uh, thank you, Brian, for being a new listener. Currently living in the heart of SEC country in Birmingham, Alabama. So I don't get much of a feel on who is making an impact on the team or contributing the most during uh, spring track, spring training, outside of what I see on Facebook. Um, you should be on uscfootball.com too, Brian, of course. Well, we post a lot on Facebook too. I said, uh, with the addition of Stephen Carr, do you think that Clay Helton and, and T. Martin are going to use him as a freshman? Uh, Ronald Jones is clear number one. Do you think that Stephen Carr can push for the number two? And what about uh, Vave Malapai coming off of injury last year? What kind of role do you see him playing? Thanks for everything you do. Fight on always, Brian, down in SEC country. Well, you know, uh, I think you recruit a back like that with the understanding he's going to play as a freshman. Uh, it's very difficult, a five-star back to redshirt. You know, it really is, but there, there is going to be great competition. Malapi, he reminds me of the type of guy, you know, they didn't recruit a fullback. But he could be a big enough guy to be a fullback in their offense when they want to use it. Uh, he rushed for many, many yards in uh, Hawaii, broke their all-time rushing record there. They didn't have a chance to really get a full evaluation on him when he re- when he got hurt. So uh, we'll have to see. But, yes, they've got great running backs. And uh, Davis, Ware, and these guys. So competition is going to be fierce. But I think he's the type of back that will come in and get his turns and uh, play. Because one thing about him, too, Ryan, he's got hands. So he's not just only a running back. He's an every-down back type of guy. So he brings the whole package to the table. Not that the others don't. They do. But it's going to be very competitive. And like I used to tell guys when I recruited them, yeah, we got four tailbacks, but uh, do you want to come and compete or do you just want to go somewhere else be the only one? If you want to get better, you come and compete. The only way you get better is to go against better players. And then you find out how good you are, but you push yourself every day. But you get better every day rather than just on Saturday. So uh, I, I think he'll come in. I think he's going to be great uh, back for USC. As I've told you, he reminds me a little bit of Buck Allen far as the way he runs but we'll see what happens all right coach we got a uh couple more and we'll let you go um Tarek had another question uh he said what is the best way to ensure student athletes remember that they are students first well i think that you know let me sort of tell it this way <laughs> i went to college because i love football okay and I knew I had to, if I was going to continue playing football, I had to get good grades. And uh, not all student athletes are like this because 
you have a combination of your roster that some are going to be doctors and lawyers and chemists and engineers. You have some that may want to be school teachers. And then you may have some that just want to major in the NFL. When I coached at Japan Bowl, I had several players from USC that played on that team. One told me, and he was an A student, that he's majoring in this and he's going into business and played in the NFL and did a great job. The other one told me, hey, coach, I majored in the NFL. I'm not a hat slinger. So, you know, you got a combination on your team. Some kids care about the academics, but you can utilize the academics to tell the kid, hey, you got to get, if you're going to go to class, why not pass the class? Why not use it as a backup for your future? Use it, go to class, get the grade, because everyone's not going to play in the NFL. So you might as well get used to that. So you have to push some more than others. You really do. You have to watch them. You used to have somebody get them up in the morning. You used to have my academic advisors go to class and see if they're in class. You know, there's those type of kids. Now, some of you are probably already doing that with your kids. You go in and tear the covers off in the morning, and they pull them back up again. So if there's some kids you have to watch, and then they come back someday, and they tell you, thank you. Thank you for spanking me. Thank you for getting me up and making me run in the morning. Thank you. I wouldn't have done it. But they don't understand the importance of the academic side right now because all they think about is football, and that's what people know them for. Then you have some that you don't ever have to talk to ever. They never go to a study hall. They don't do anything. In fact, they tutor a lot of their roommates in classes. That's a great mixture. you got to have a great mixture. Now, people say, oh, you got to have all academic students. Oh, yes, that's nice to say, but that's not realistic. You've got to have a few players that say, Coach, I'm going to go to class, but my future's in the NFL. I'm going to tell you that right now. That's where I want to play. And it doesn't hurt you to have those players on your staff, on your team, because they let the other guys that are majoring to be doctors, let them know, hey, this is my day now, Saturday. we got to win today, guys. And then the other days, the other guys help the athletes, and they say, or the guys who want to play in the NFL, now it's time to study. And now they have a time to meet each other and understand what it's like in different environments. Kids that are from different environments, you have them go to each other's homes. And that's what education is all about. That's why you go to college to find out how other people live and grow up and what they do and why they want to do this and so on. Heck, we used to fly, and I don't want to say these type of stories. We'd go to Utah we go to some of these places to play. These kids will probably never in their life ever go back to that state unless they're playing in the game. So I always used to say I thought our away games used to be a should be a one unit class in geography because we went all over the place: Spokane, you know, Corvallis, wherever we played. We had a chance to see these different areas. That's an education in itself for some kids. Some kids have never flown on an airplane. Let's get realistic. Everybody's not going to be a doctor and a lawyer. And right now, I think vocational educations are tremendous. Call yourself and see how long it takes you to get a roofer to come out or a plumber to come out. <laughs> Call and see. And when they come out, even if there isn't a leak, 
you're going to pay him $100 for showing up. And that person, and I know some people who went to USC, who went out and they've got plumbing companies now where they've got 10 trucks running around. They're making so much a day on these trucks. Hey, they're not doctors or lawyers, but they learn how to utilize their skills in developing teamwork among the other areas. And they weren't worried about what they were. They knew what they could be and what they were best at. And I think that's what college is all about. College is about surrounding yourself with people who are going to be successful. And if you are becoming successful too, then people will want to hang around you. Be a leader, but also identify through networking on who those people are going to be that you want to have as your friends. Stay away from trouble. Common sense sometimes is better than intelligence. Good advice there, Coach. Uh, (laughs) It's all true. Yeah, man, I need a plumber too. So good plumbers out there, give me a call. Um, <laughs> we got I'll one have last. My guy drop by. I'll have my guy drop by. <laughs> nice, Coach. We got one last one for you, Coach. Here we go. Hey, podcast. Robin Yakaya, premium subscriber. Just wanted to call in and say thanks for doing what you guys do. I really appreciate it. And got a got a comment to share with you. Not doesn't really matter if it, if it's for Dan or Coach Harvey Hyde, but. Just want to go back a few years here. So if you look at the last seven years, um, you know, with USC, going back to 2010, um, I'm going to use this time frame because that's when the sanctions were brought down. So if we go from 2010 through 2016, you look at the, the win totals of USC. USC's won 62 wins, uh, 62 games, 30 losses, which is still better than our two best rivals. Notre Dame has only won 59 games in that time span. UCLA has only won 51 games in that time span. So, you know, taking in the sanctioned consideration, you could say that we've still have have uh, stayed a leg up on our on our biggest competition. They haven't really capitalized on USC's misfortunes and the misdeeds handed down by the NCAA. And the only other two teams in the Pac-12 that have won more games than USC over that time frame has been Stanford and Oregon. So, third the third best record in the Pac-12 over that time frame. I think that's a testament to USC and fight on. And I think things are going to get better as we go along. Anyway, take care. Bye. Well, you know, I agree with you. And Ryan, I think you'll uh, back me up on this. I've said since the sanctions came that I wouldn't exchange a roster for USC for any roster in the Pac-12. The best players are at USC. It's putting them in the right position, getting them to be motivated and play. You only need 11 guys on the field. Now, obviously, you want depth, and if you have injuries, it causes a problem. But if you've got the right players, and you motivate them, and you put them in the right position, you're going to win most of your games. And that's what USC has tried to do. The NCAA tried to just bury USC. And it bothered me that USC didn't fight back and, try to bury the NCAA because it was all BS on the type of, you know, what you say, what I'm saying is the sanctions they gave them for what supposedly what happened is BS. Okay. Excuse my language, ladies and gentlemen, that's very clean for me, <laughs> but the way I feel, but now USC is in a position where they're now separating themselves again 
from the Pac-12 as far as recruiting. If you look closely at the rankings the last couple of years, again, in the recruiting classes, the number of points and so on, they're starting to separate themselves in quality of players. So now they have to become very careful again. Because people, instead of looking at their program, start to look at your program. They try to find out what you're doing wrong rather than what they need to do to do right to try to beat you. So I think it's very important that Clay Helton and everyone there understands that because they're jealous people. And the Pac-12 office, Larry Scott and whoever else lives up there, did not support or any member of the Pac-12 did not support USC during the sanction period in any way. They used that period of time to try to catch up with USC. But they had separated themselves to winning 30, 40 conference games in a row, and they just couldn't take it anymore. So they thought this was a time, and this is when Stanford, and this is when Oregon made their run. And that's why they had those numbers that they have. But right now, it's starting to switch again. And if the same type of progress continues, you're going to see this happen again, but you've got to be aware of where you are and who you are. So I'm just saying right now, I think they're separating themselves again. Again, they have to be very careful on all these type of things because there's termites out there or there are people that are out there that are jealous about the success that USC was able to continue after all these sanctions were put on them. So I think that's the best way to answer that, and I think that it will continue, because if you look at the commits that are happening already for 2018, you see that happening already. Players are starting to come, and what you're going to see now, Ryan, you're going to see five stars and four stars commit earlier than ever before because they want to be a part of this if they're a winner. Now, what happened this year is a lot of guys were left out that were playing the big shot role, that I'm going to wait till announcement day. I'm going to wait and announce. Well, what happened, USC ran out. So there's other players, and I'm not going to use their names, that had to go somewhere else because they were waiting too long. So you're going to see now players start to commit earlier and be a solid commit than before because they're afraid they'll miss the ride. So this is the way I'm going to explain this, and I think this will happen this way. Coach, awesome stuff. we got a lot of different topics today on the show and uh, making me excited for spring football, which is coming up. And it uh, should be some really fun battles, and it'll be a good time out there checking it out and seeing how it all goes. But thanks again for uh, coming on. Hey, buddy, thank you very much. For all of our listeners out there, thank you very much, and enjoy the sunshine for a little while. We appreciate all your questions, and remember, this is just our opinion. want to thank you for listening, and uh, buckle up out there. Follow me on my Twitter at Harvey. What is it? At Coach Harvey High. At Coach Harvey High. Coach Harvey. I had to think about it for a minute, Rod. Yeah, I know. And, you, and I totally forgot, and I, I really apologize for Southern California tickets. I forgot to mention them at the top oh. of the show, too. Coach, give us give us your spiel about Southern California tickets, since I forgot. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. If you want a five-star ticket agency, I, I use it for everything. Uh, concerts, everything for my kids. You know, I don't go to a lot of concerts. But I'm going to Roxy's. Can you believe that? 
That's cool. I'm going over to Roxy. I am. I'm going over to Roxy's. My son-in-law is going to be playing over there. Uh, what date is it? I can't remember. In April sometime. He's also playing out of Stagecoach. So i got to get some tickets for Stagecoach, and I'll get those from Southern California Tickets, uh, along with you know all the other tickets I get. But, uh, hey, go in there, tell Curtis or Stephanie I sent you in there, and maybe they'll fix you. Maybe you'll sit next to me. Who knows? That would be good. Well, Coach, thanks for that. And, again, so apologize for not mentioning that up at the top of the show. Um, that's Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham. You can follow me on Twitter, at Inside Troy. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.